You're listening to The Frequency of Creativity with Melinda Harkerley. Welcome everyone to The Frequency of Creativity, where we are at the intersection of energy and art. I'm your host, Melinda Har Curley, and to see how art can energize and bring light into your life, sign up for my newsletter at melindaharcurley.com. Today, I'm really looking forward to our conversation with the thought-provoking artist, sculptor, and filmmaker, Mark Oliver. Welcome, Mark. Hi. Hi. Thanks for... Uh doing this. And thanks for being on it. So Mark, I first came to know your work through an exhibit that you're preparing for at the Golden Pine Gallery in Idlewild, California. And just for our audience, that's uh, just outside of Palm Springs. And so in looking at your website and your work And talking with the gallery owner, I said, Mark cannot be contained in painting, sculpture, or filmmaker. His energy and vision and all of your areas of interest just go way beyond the boundaries Mm. of any of those art forms. Mm. So, Mark, you have so many interests and looking at your art it's just you address so many questions Mm. you're being very nice (laughs) i'm being very truthful and i don't give gratuitous uh compliment (laughs) well you know i can one thing i should say is you know uh, i remember you know cy twombly the painter um yes i remember once stumbling upon a book of all his sculptures and I never knew he did sculpture. It's just like, you know, when you, if people are lucky enough to ever go to France or Spain and they go to the Picasso museum, here's all this stuff Picasso did that you've never seen before. Like, because, you know, they just promote him as a painter. Same with like someone like Cy Twombly, but I think, you know, like contemporary, you know, Julian Schnabel, right? You know, he was known mm-hmm. as this painter and sculptor. What next thing he, he's making these amazing films. So I think if we were able to look a little deeper into some of these profiles of, you know, creative peoples, we'd probably find that probably a lot of them were writers as well and, you know, did a lot of different things, you know, that they just, when it goes down through history, they don't promote all that stuff for, you know, probably various reasons. But I think I think it's probably rare that like an artist or a writer or something, that's all they do, you know, so. Yeah. And on another podcast, Mark, um, we had uh, Claudia Kalb, and she's a staff writer for National Geographic. And her area of interest is creativity. And she wrote a book called Spark, Igniting Genius. And Mark, that's one of the points that we talked about is that creative people, one of their insights or gifts or abilities is to take all different kinds of information that seem very unrelated and very disparate 
and they're able to bring it together and weave it together in this like one theme. And Mark, that's what you're able to do. Um, yeah, I pr- and I probably have a lot of influences um, that way. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, well, and, I mean, some things end up being more, I think some of the films I've done are a little more specific, mm-hmm. um, like sticking to a um, subject matter or a theme. Uh, but when it, like painting, I think um, there's no restrictions. It's, you know, there's, there's no rules I follow, you know. And, and you um, can tell that in looking at your work. And I love yeah, it. Yeah. Um, Mark, I'm so um, sorry to interrupt you. Um, We're going to have to take a short break. But before we do, can you share with our audience where they can see your work and find Mm -hmm. out more about you? Yeah, uh, you can look at markoliver.org. And um, it's uh, it's being edited right now, but you can see some some paintings and... um, there's some film projects under uh, Lincoln Heights and Voices of the Golden Ghosts, but that'll give you a pretty good idea of what I've been up to. Well, stay with us as we take a short break and we'll be back and talk much more with Mark and about how Mark questions everything. The superpower experience goes way beyond the podcast. Listeners can connect with hosts and one another inside the Superpower Universe Plus membership. Members get access to high vibe connections, Superpower Masterclasses, and much, much more. Don't wait another moment to step into your superpowers. Go to superpowerexperts.com and sign up today. We're back with the frequency of creativity where we are at the intersection of energy and art. We're talking with the multimedia talented artist, Mark Oliver. And Mark, that's whenever I look at your work, that's what I really feel from it, that you're really questioning. And before we went to break, you said there are no rules. And I see that in your work. And it really makes me think. Mm. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, like you're talking about the films, uh, <clears throat> you know, films carry a certain thread, especially a documentary. You're really trying to expose something. And um, <clears throat> so you kind of follow that link and in, in, in interviews and things like that. Um same with I'm doing a theater project now. And it's the same thing We're we're digging up lost African-American history in this Northern California region. And so there's a certain goal in what we're doing. Um, so painting. Mark, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that. How does that same questioning relate mm. to your painting? That I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't yeah. You know, um, I mean, the easiest answer for me is I'm not really sure, but if I think about and kind of trace my trajectory, you know, because all my work is abstract and I've always relied heavily on just collage and um, never really, you know, early on, I 
was just like a painter learning how to use oil paints and, you know, like as a young student and all that, but that didn't last too long. Um, I went to, I did a, a year exchange from San Francisco state to university of Wisconsin. And when I was there, I just, I don't know. I just started like going around these farms and finding old stuff and nailing it on the canvases. And I actually hadn't really had a, a good art history class at that point, I was only 20. And a, a woman came in to the class and he goes, Oh, you must like Rauschenberg and Jim Dine and all these guys. And I was like, I was like, well, who's that? Oh. I didn't even know who they were, but here I was kind of doing some stuff that, you know, they were doing. Um, and I don't know why I really, I can't answer why I did that, but I've, I, you know, so then as I got educated, um, I think I was probably, I, I it was kind of like a green light, like, yeah, this is, this is okay. What you're doing, just keep doing it. Um, so yeah, I did that a lot in painting. And then, um, you know, I started doing installation work. Um, I had a couple shows in Europe. I, I moved to Spain later on and, uh, has some shows there. And, um, I did a show on baseball that was just all installation and kind of, um, so I, you know, when I come back to a canvas, which I'm kind of doing these years, the last few years, um, mm -hmm. I just don't really, I, there's no, like, if I see a piece of wood laying around that I think would look just as good as a swash of paint, well, I'll put the piece of wood on there, you know, I guess, and I don't even think about it. Like, now it's just, you know, it's just, you know, it's been and so see, long. Mark then when I look at your work, it all looks organic and you're able to pull it together and it looks random and it, it is, and it's not because even though it looks random, it's still part of a structure mm -hmm. that holds together that makes the painting successful. So I love how you pull seemingly unrelated materials mm. into mm. one piece mm. and make it look organic mm. and natural. Well, uh, a minute ago we were talking about poetry and isn't that exactly what poetry is? You know, you know, one line you're talking about, you know, the dog walking by the river and the next line you're, you know, you're talking about, I don't know, like the cupcake you ate. Um, but once you go through the poem, it all, it creates some kind of, I guess we can just call it a feeling or some, you know, mental state that um, feels right or feels interesting or makes us curious. I, I think that's a huge thing. It's just being yeah. curious. You know, I think that's um when I talk about history, because I'm kind of involved in all these history projects too. It's like, if you're not curious, well, then history doesn't mean anything to you. Like you have to be curious to at first be even interested in history. I think. Um, I, so that's right. The same when you're looking at art, right? I remember when I was again, young in college and I went into the San Francisco museum and there's this whole room full of these huge Clifford stills. <gasps> and oh, I, yeah. he's one of my favorite artists. Yeah. And I just, and I, you know, I was a young kid from the suburbs and I was like, huh, these are in the museum. So I guess they're important, but I, I just looked at them and soaked them in and didn't really, 
question them or ask. I just, you know, but I was kind of, you know, bedazzled by them. I was just like, wow, these things are amazing. And they are. When I went to that year in Wisconsin, I remember this professor I had, David Damkohler. We were in the Milwaukee Museum and there's this gigantic Miro painting. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still like such a young artist. And I asked him so honestly, I said, so, hey, David, so why is that art? You know, looking at this big Moreau painting, a 20-year-old art student, right? And he says, he goes, I can't answer that. You're going to have to figure that out for yourself. Good answer. So, you know, fast forward 40 years and, you know, I still probably would give somebody the same answer, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to you have to be interested in enough to figure it out for yourself if you like it or not, or it means anything to you or and then and that's really different than the experience of making it. Right. That's a whole yes. different thing. So observing, appreciating and then making it's those it's really different. Well, Mark, I'm going to follow up on that. How how is it different? For you as an artist, you looking, especially as young, and by the way, you picked out two of my favorite artists, Clifford Still, and I did a whole podcast with a curator at the Clifford Still Museum uh, in Denver, and that was amazing. And the curator was also a poet, and he wrote a number of poems based on the Clifford Still painting. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then Juan Miro, so you've picked two of my favorite artists. Um, so how is making art for you as an artist a different process than observing mm. your work? Yeah. Well, I think um, now it's maybe it's easier to answer that because I've seen a lot of stuff now. And um, but, you know, uh, you know, now if I, you know, I don't know. <clears throat> I did a series on Mona Lisa and I used car tires and I kind of framed all these Mona Lisas (laughs) I made with car tires and I would paint on the tire. And, you know, would I have ever done that if I hadn't seen Rauschenberg's, you know, that goat with the tire around it? I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe, but I think, you know, for me now, like seeing a lot of work of Rauschenberg, who is like, I think one of my, you know, favorite all-time artists um those artists i think um if you believe in that canon of art history i mean they give you a lot of permission like when you see rauschenberg's work or, i mean you, you realize everything goes and everything goes i mean if you've ever read about duchamp or studied yes. duchamp it's like everything like there's nothing that's not art and then if you're a student of art and you get into performance and things like that, you realize, you know, everything you do can be art. You know, I mean, you brush your teeth. Um, if you want that to be your art performance, well, it can be because art is life and art lim- imitates life. And um, now if you're not, say, an artist, if you never studied art and you go into a museum and you see some guy brushing his teeth, You're going to, you know, a lot of people might just say, I just wasted my money. You know, here's this guy brushing his teeth, (laughs) you know. So um, there's a whole context to all that stuff, you know. So it's kind of hard to disassociate 
myself from just what I've learned and seen over the years. Um, but, but also when, you know, to see something new, like um, I just, I just watched the other day um, with the whole Ukraine thing going on. Um, I, I spent like a, a was three months in Russia back in 2004 in St. Petersburg. And I went there, I was invited and an Italian and Norwegian friend that I went there and we lived there for three months. And then we did a, a performance at the, it was called something like the union of Soviet artists building. Okay. Um, so Russia to me was just an amazing place. It's just incredible. And it's, you know, it has nothing to do with the politics, but just, the Russian people are so brilliant and so far ahead in so many ways with education and amazing artists. So once in a while, I'll check back because you don't hear about them. There's just a total blockade about what the art that goes on in yes. Russia. Yes. So I'll check it. I'll look into it a little bit. But the, I just on YouTube, there was this video of this, um, like a folk group. Mm -hmm. And I was, but they're, video and performance and i it's all in russian so there's the name is in russian and i can't speak russian yeah. and i don't know how to say it but it was so hilarious and so funny and so interesting um so i'd never heard it, it was just something new that caught my eye you know so i think you, you know what the, the probably the main thing is being open you know, mm -hmm. just being totally 100% open to things. I mean, especially even yes. when you watch avant-garde film or things like that, if you're not just a reading, all, all arts, if you're not open to new experiences, well, you're just going to miss out on all that stuff, you know? Yeah. And Mark, that really shows in your work because, you know, just listening to you talk in our conversation you have so many interests in so many areas, and that obviously influences your work. It keeps you current. It just keeps you thinking. And, you know, you're really funny, too. Oh. And when some of your paintings, and the one painting I love, you have Clifford the Red Dog. So when I looked at it, and as a mom and raising kids and reading, of course, that's one of their favorite books, um, I looked and it... There's Cliff is that really Clifford the Red Dog? And the name of the painting is Beer. Yeah, so um I I have to confess I, I love humor and I love humor in, in art. Um <clears throat> maybe it's a way that I don't have to uh take myself seriously too much. Um mm -hmm. but you know, I mean, like that's a, if people really wanted me to talk about painting, I guess I could talk about that painting in a sense. Um, even we're not looking at it, but there's there's beer. There's a lot of other kind of supposed illegal substances mm -hmm. in that painting, words and things. And um, so I, I, I was probably thinking at the time about, you know, how how cultures have used plants and substances throughout time for their spiritual and religious beliefs and how, you know, if you just write beer up there or if you write peyote or, or something, um, 
there's all these connotations, but then, you know, you put the little puppy dog in there, which wasn't actually, I didn't think about, excuse me, this at the time, but that kind of lightens the load of all those things, but still they're there. And, you know, I don't know what people are thinking about when they're, they're seeing it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What well, you, you know what? They're definitely thinking. They're yeah, definitely it's, thinking. It's a little juxtaposition of attitudes and content, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's not really straightforward there. So not at all. So Mark, um, you and I are both poets and you've um, written a poetry book. I believe it's called Living in the In-Between Spaces. And as soon as you showed me that book, you know, that like everything you do is related. And so that's related to your paintings and to your sculpture. So let's talk about the use of language mm. in your paintings and your sculptures. And you have one sculpture I don't know if I can remember it verbatim. It's a tree bark and it says, oh. I am a tree. You aren't. <laughs> I thought that um, was funny. Yeah. I, I did a series of those. Um, when did that, you know, I did. That goes back pretty far where um, I was out in a, I was at one of these art residencies and I went into the, I was in the forest and um, I guess I can, say now that I've always, I haven't been a tree hugger, but, um, you know, a very, you know, ecologically minded person. And, um, I remember I put these signs on all the trees and, and what I was trying to do, because, um, not to offend any of your viewers, but I'm kind of an anti John Muir person because I feel like John Muir just kind of, um, he kind of sterilized nature, making it only for kind of white people where, you know, he didn't really have a high respect for the native cultures that lived on the land. He kind of wanted them to get out of the way so he can make Yosemite this pristine place. Um, and, and also when, when ecologists, now they're doing it, there's actually some books that recently came out on how trees communicate and things. But I always found even with ecologists, they never gave actually the trees a voice. And so that installation I did probably 10 years ago was trying to give the trees an actual voice. Um, like, like a con like nature has a consciousness, but we've really never heard a tree talk. So I was just trying to give the trees a voice. And then uh, probably like three or four years ago, those kind of stump pieces um, was just like, I found those things and I thought, and I had this Dremel tool and I thought, Oh, I could actually just carve that into the stump now. So I had a series of, of those pieces, you know, and also that um, those trees were dead. I had some about just the tree was speaking that, you know, you know, look what you did to me kind of thing, you know? Um, But and Mark, there is a book. It's and I read it a number of years ago. It's called "The Hidden Life of Trees." I, I think I, I that's the one I'm talking about. It's by a guy from Sweden or something, right? Uh, I think Germany. Germany, yeah. And he lived in. I think he was a forest ranger. Exactly. A black forest in Germany, 
and it was a fascinating book. Yes, about like the you know trees and their families and the relationships. And I, yeah, fascinating book. So I think that was behind that that type of work, just trying to give the forest a, a voice. And actually, some of them had some like real sarcastic, um, yeah. <laughs> almost you know bad language. Like who who would think a tree would swear at us, right? But <laughs> they probably are all the time, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember one picture um, on your website. You had carved into a tree and then put a shoe in the the tree. Yeah, that was out in that was kind of out in your neck of the woods, out in in Yado. Oh, Yado. Okay. And um, somebody, I don't know how someone someone saw that recently, and they said, "You did you really cut a hole in a tree just for a photograph?" And I had to write them back, and I said, "Well, that tree was dead." So yeah. I mean, it was a dead tree. So. And just for our listeners, Yotto is an artist residency in Saratoga Springs, New York. Yeah, yeah, that's that was a real neat place to go to. Yeah, it really is. It is. Um, so, Mark, it, it's just it, you know, and then I think your love of language and your use mm. of it, and kind of it, you know, especially like mm. in some of your paintings, you use block you know, blocks that have letters mm. on them. Yeah. And then you nail, I think you nail those on wood. You put words upside down. And even in one painting, uh, I believe it says sham on you. Mm. And Little, I thought that yeah. was such an interesting twist of shame on you. And just leaving that E off sham on you Little and just thing. eliminating that one letter gave it a whole different meaning in the mm-hmm. well yeah, i guess sometimes actually i'm getting ready to start like a, a new kind of body of paintings and um um actually i'm gonna start them just with some people's names really like, i haven't i've been thinking about this i haven't done it yet but i'm just gonna put the people's names in the middle of the painting and then see what happens, see what I draw from that. But a lot of, I think, you know, a word is just like a color. Like imagine, like you're painting in the background. Imagine if you had to assign words to every, you know, mm-hmm. spot of paint, you know, what that would look like, right? I mean, it'd be just all these different interesting words on there. It'd be like a word painting. So I think, you know, words and colors, um, they kind of go together. I mean, they, they just, they have the words obviously have a more direct meaning. Um, th- Cause we all know what the words mean, but when they're all mixed up, maybe we don't. Um, some paintings, do, pardon, go ahead. Goes, I'm sorry. I, and on your website, you do have a word painting. That's your yeah. page on your website. Yeah, that I love that. That, that was a series I did. I, you know, I went to graduate school really late in life. After I was living in Europe, I came back and I thought, oh, I'll just become a college professor. So I need to get an MFA because I never had one, but um, that didn't quite pan out. It did for a little while, but. um, And you got your MFA at uh, UC San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good, that was a great school. A lot of opportunities there. Um, But I did all those 
those are pretty big. Those are pretty big on big pieces of paper. I would just, some of those, I would just have them on my studio wall and every day I'd come in and, and write a couple words on it and then just let that all flow. Um, and, and I, and I love on your word painting uh, at the bottom, I believe you have plastic baby and then the whole word painting you have like laminated in plastic. Mm, yeah. Well, you know, there was a series of poems I did where um, I'm trying to remember how I got these, but somehow I would get these this spam in my email. I'm trying to remember how this went, but I would download the spam and it would have a lot of different markings beside the words. And I would cut all those out and I would just keep all the words and I would just link all those words. And I would, that would be the beginning of the poem. Hmm. Now I can't remember how I got those spam thing. Um, but that, that was just a way to begin, you know, like, you know, how to begin something. It doesn't really, you know, doesn't, it's not that hard. You know I mean? There's a lot of ways you can start a painting or a poem or, and I'm sure a lot of people do, they get, you know, you get a, you wake up and you have a line in your head and you write it down. Then the next day you go look at that and it connects to something else. And so it's all these connections. You know. And that's what we were talking about earlier with creativity, connecting things. And Mark, thank you. Like a minute ago, you just said, look at the colors and painting as words. When you said that, just something clicked in my mind because I'm a poet and we talked about this earlier. Um, I always wanted to include poetry in the painting and I just haven't been able to do it. It always seemed forced. So just by you saying that, it like clicked in my head. And so you really helped me with that comment. Thank you. Okay, good. Yeah. It, because your the language in your paintings looks organic and it doesn't look forced. And it looks like it's easy. It, I'm here to tell everyone mm. it's not easy. Yeah. Believe me, I've tried for years and I haven't been able to work it mm. out. Mm. You have. So congratulations. Oh, okay. Well, so like, uh, I mean, look at like Basquiat, like he, he, he uses a lot of language, you know, in his paintings, you know, just he throws things in there. Or he'll, he'll have a lot of, lot of language in his paintings. Um, I'll have to um, look at his work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you just, you're so masterful, Mark, in so many different areas and um, the exhibit, uh, you'll be exhibiting at the Golden Pine Gallery. And uh, the audience, if you're listening to this and it, the uh, exhibit is not current, just go on the Golden Pine Gallery website in Ottawa, California, and it will be cataloged there. So you'll be able to see Mark's exhibit there. And Mark, I'm so sorry we've run out of time. Okay, well, we just got started. I know, I know. Maybe we need to have part two to this. Okay, all right. Sure, let me know. Um, and Mark, before we leave, can you share with our audience one more time where they can, you know, besides the Golden Pine Gallery, where they can see your work? Oh. Yeah, yeah, just my name, uh, org. Just 
Well, Mark, thank you so much for being with us. And I just so admire how many areas of interest. And I really would like to have you back to talk more about the film series you're doing, and especially where you live in very Northern California and telling the stories of the African-American population and how they originally came there from the South as part of the gold rush industry. And it's a fascinating series that you've done on that. Okay, well, thanks again for inviting me. And thank you for being here. And thank you to uh, listeners for being with us on the frequency of creativity where we are at the intersection of energy and art. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.